Welcome to Behind the Camera, a show dedicated to the producers, directors, technicians, and all the people that bring the images of sport to your television every night. I am your host, Uncle Jesse. On today's show, I sit down with Brad Weimer. He's the coordinating producer for WWE for Fox Sports. Welcome in, Brad. Eric, good to have good good to have me. Good to be here, I'll say. Yeah, good to be, good to be here. This is why I'm a producer and I'm not a guy on camera. Exactly. Well, me too. So, of course, I started this show, so what am I doing, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, first things first, uh, quarantine. Uh, how is life for you guys in the house? I see your uh, son has been doing some art to go along with your office. Yeah, my son, uh, he asked to do to make my office look like a wrestling stadium and apparently he thinks that that's a lot of painted Rey Mysterio masks <laughs> so I printed out a Rey Mysterio mask once he made this one and then he made all the ones behind me um, as far as quarantine you know my wife uh, runs her business out of the house um, she runs a marketing business and a photography business obviously those have kind of slowed down a little bit right now but um, my son's not in school he's uh, almost five he turns five in, in about three weeks but I basically Nothing's really changed besides not going into the office. We still do the shows. We do it remotely. We do it on Zoom, um, just like you're doing this show. Uh, each week, we have put backstage on the air. So my day-to-day, -day, yeah, it's it's not going to an office, not driving in traffic. It's just sitting in like the back corner of my house, and I get to see everybody and kind of pop out and say hi to people. But we're still doing TV, so at least that part hasn't changed. It's just how we're getting it done. Yeah, yeah. Well, with sports, there's not many sports, and so it's good for you guys because I'm getting tired of watching reruns. So I, it's it's nice to watch some real live action sports while we're all stuck inside. Yeah, we're we get the benefit of WWE still running shows right now, um, which has been good for us to make more TV. Um, and yeah, like hopefully backstage can keep rolling while the WWE uh, keeps rolling too, and we can get out of this and back to normal in the next few months. So speaking of sports television, how did you get your start in the business? Uh, so I went to a broadcasting school in Michigan called Spex Howard. Um, that got me an internship at WDIV, which is our, which is a local NBC affiliate. And I was interning in the sports department. Uh, I got lucky after a few months, two guys quit at once. So not only did I get a job, but I got promoted before I even got the job. Um, and then uh, so I started as associate producer for, you know, sports. I did mostly weekends, but then I did weekdays once I got hired and, uh, funny story. So my first ever paid broadcast, so I get hired as an intern. I'm, I'm in now. Right. So my anchor is in Pasadena, Michigan's in the Rose bowl. So it's me and my boss is in Pasadena with our, with our anchor sending stuff back. that's already edited. It's me and my back, my other sports reporter because he's there as a backup just in case the shot goes down. So we're waiting for stuff to come from Pasadena. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, the stuff comes really late. So now it's just me doing in and out edits. So I'm just in and out, putting it in our playback system. And then I think I've sent me and our sports reporter, like tag teamed it, sent it to the system and I ran the control room. So I sit down and I'm like, this is it. My first on TV, my first on air thing. And he tosses to the first sound tape, which I'll never forget was supposed to be Braille and Edwards. And when they roll the tape, it's all automated. The tape is Braille and Edwards talking, but the shot is of the camera sitting on the ground from about five minutes earlier in the tape. And all of a sudden I look up and all the tapes are like that. So everything we say sent from site is gone. Oh no. 
I'm in a panic because it, basically it was just a technical glitch from the system. I, I, you know, the long stories, I go back and look at the timeline that I clipped and everything looks fine. It was just a weird quirk in Sony clip edit that made this happen. And I remember my anchor in the middle of it, in the middle of my first live sports cast goes to the, goes to the camera like this. Is there anything that works back there? And I'm just like, all right, that's it. I'm fired. Like I'm just getting fired right now. This is it. This is my first and last. And I remember um, my sports reporter named John runs into the control room after it was over. Cause I'm just sitting there like my boss going to call and I'm going to get fired. She calls and uh, you know, what, the, what, what, the, what happened? And um, thankfully I got to keep my job uh, and worked at DIV for uh, as I, for my mandated three years. I, I, I work at a place for three plus years and then I somehow find a new path. It just doesn't, it's just weird about my career, but um that was how I got my start in the business. Various small local sports. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I started at a small TV station too. You end up learning a little about everything in those small environments. Mm-hmm. So speaking of fast forwarding, fast forward to 2015, you are now in Milwaukee producing games and yep. the Brewers make, I don't know if you'd say a surprising trade, but a pretty huge trade sending Fires and Carlos Gomez to the Astros. What was like that like for you in the truck? Yeah, so that was a weird... It was a weird couple of days. So at that point, I'm splitting the package uh, with the guy who's currently doing the Brewers named Brent. And we're doing, sometimes I'm doing games, sometimes I'm doing pre and post. So I was on a road trip the night before. I forgot what city we were leaving from, but we get, we're getting on the plane to leave Milwaukee, to leave and go back to Milwaukee. And Gomez is told he's been traded to the Mets. So we're in the air. Now, our plane has DirecTV on it. So I'm watching MLB Networks. I'm like, oh, let's watch this trade. And they're showing Wilmer Flores crying in New York. And Gomez, Carlos Gomez is walking up and down the aisle of the plane saying thank you to everybody, being like, this is the nicest guy. Like, he's going to New York. It is over. And then as we're going on this flight, they're like, trade's dead, not happening. In the air. So we land and no one knows what's happening. The next day, I'm doing pregame at home. So we built the entire first segment of the show around Gomez's aborted trade to New York. That just didn't happen. And Flores crying and Gomez sound. And so we are going on the air. I have my phone sitting next to me. I'm in the, I'm in the five second count. We hit the open. My phone buzzes. Ken Rosenthal's reporting that Gomez and fires have been traded to the Astros. (laughs) So I have my, my reporter's, my, my, uh, my pregame guy and my analysts are tossing down our reporter, Sophia. Sophia is going into the sound about how Carlos Gomez was not traded to the New York Mets. I turn around and I'm, I yell towards my PA. I'm like, just run down the tunnel. I want a shot of him leaving. Like this is the trades happening. I need a shot of him leaving. So now I'm telling my anchor and my analysts, like, this is the, this is the deal proposed deal. We're only reporting that Ken Rosenthal reported it. Cause we just got, nailed the night before. So they go with me. I tell Sophia in her ear during the thing, I'm like, you're going to toss back and they're going to announce a trade. So just keep an eye on what's going on down there with Gomez. So they announce a trade. We go to, we go to break. And the next segment I was supposed to have Brian Anderson, the play I play guy and Bill Schroeder, otherwise known as rock do analysis on something, but I'm like, we just got to blow this up because we just got to trade. Now rock does not want to talk about this at all. Cause we just got burned the night before about this Mets stuff. Like he does so not want to yeah. talk about this and BA is awesome. And BA is like, 
I'm like, we're just going to say it's reported by Ken Rosenthal. Like, that's all we're going to say. We could talk about a hypothetical of it. And BA is like, well, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, yes. He's like, okay, well, and then that's the best part about BA is he's like, I'll let you get, you know, we're going to trust you on this one. Let's do it. So thankfully, they, we, BA and Rock start talking about it. We go to some video and right as that happens, the brewers officially confirm it. So now it's confirmed. I got a full screen built of what the actual trade is and BA and Rock talk about the actual trade as it's happening. And then the end of the show was a shot of Gomez uh, and Fires driving away in the golf cart, basically. But it was a crazy, like, less than 24 hours where we had trades and didn't have trades. And you're seeing, like, emotions go around. And then, like, you're getting burned once, even though we weren't really burned because we were on a plane. But I guess everybody kind of thought that it was going to happen, and it didn't. So we were really trepidatious about it. Um, But it was a fun, like, moment in TV because we got to, like – react to stuff live and that's the best time that's a, and blow things up and it was for a fun reason like a like an interesting trade it wasn't like for a negative reason like when we did it was two years prior when i did the the ryan braun suspension show where we found out he got suspended about 30 minutes before the pregame show and i just oh wrote the goodness. entire show on the back of like a napkin almost and then i like ran to the truck and just did the show <laughs> did the show like that but those nights are always the best well, that's, uh, it's probably the thing I enjoy the most about live sports is that it's live. And so you never know what's happening. I mean, you have best laid plans, but a lot of times it all gets blown up two minutes into the show, 10 minutes before the show, especially when you get around trade deadlines. Trade deadline is probably the hairiest time in any sport because for 96 oh, hours, yeah. you really have no idea what's going to come your way. And there's fake Twitter accounts. And you get burned by that. And, you know, you just got to really like pay attention to details and there's rumors and things never happen and things do. It's, it's, it's crazy. So speaking of crazy, three years later-ish, we're in Chicago. And it's three-game series. It's our third game in. We've had a couple of good games. Well, Sunday rolls around, and unbeknownst to me, the Foxbox operator had told you he has a family emergency and has to leave. So all I know is you get up from your chair, you move to the back, you grab our associate producer, and you say, hey, you're producing the game. I'm running the Foxbox. And I'm in the commercial break going, wait, What? I was just doing so much calculus in my head because basically before the game, he told me, Hey, my, my daughter, uh, got like hurt at school and you know, she might need to get x-rays. So I might need to go, but I don't need to go now. Things are fine. Okay, great. So in my head though, I'm thinking, all right, if, if he leaves, what do we do? Um, and I'm like, okay, well, learning the Fox, the Fox box up there all the time. And I'm confident that I can run the Fox box and at least learn it. I'm not necessarily as confident. I love uh, Chelsea's Chelsea's was our, our pregame producer. I love Chelsea, but I wasn't hundred percent confident. She was going to learn the Fox box that fast, but I knew she could at least sit in the producer chair and I could help her get through that. Yeah. So I've, I've, I'm thinking about this as the game goes on. I think it was like the third inning was when he texted me saying, I have to go, you know, you didn't want to make a big deal of it, but he had to go. And Chelsea, funny enough was getting Starbucks at the, the corner at the Wrigley Fields of Starbucks. And I'm like, hey, when you get back, uh, we got something to talk about. And she comes back and she's giving me my Starbucks and I'm at the Fox box and you're at the front. Now I'm calling replays from the back um, and trying to figure out around the Fox box, which I had no idea. I remember the beginning of the game, I like, couldn't put the batters in and then eventually I figured that out. And like each little piece came 
And of course, what ends up happening is we get, did we go to extras? I know they walked us. I don't remember if it was extras, but it was a walk off. And I just remember like, it was the perfect, I think it was the ninth inning, but it was like the perfect end of the game. And it was like, oh boy, here we go. She gets to produce her first game and it's a walk off. (laughs) It was honestly, it was, I love that day. I have a picture of a, I have a picture of that day with me sitting in the back and like you guys sitting up front. It was cool because like, I knew I was leaving and I was excited to see like someone else get a, a little bit of run in the seat. And I got to, you know, finally run the Fox box, which is I think one of the few spots in the truck <laughs> that I had never touched. Um, I think every other spot in the truck, I at least touched, like I've done a replay before I've moved audio faders. Uh, I've stage managed, but I've never got to actually uh, like touch the Fox box in an actual game. And it didn't screw up that bad. I mean, I, I think I screwed up a couple of things. I think some pitcher stuff was weird, like the number of pitches. Um, but thankfully, I think through the game, I figured it out. But it was a proud moment to see someone else get a chance in the in the chair like I did uh, a few years prior. Yeah, well, and sometimes it is that next man up, just like in any sport. I mean, and she did a great job. I mean, the first inning was the same thing. It was kind of, it was all production by committee for a couple innings. You, you know, the graphics operator's telling you how to run the Fox box. You're telling her how to produce. Oh. We're just, it was great. But by the end of the game, we actually were having a great time. It was a great game. I mean, it was, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite Diamondbacks moments in the truck with you because it was so much fun of just the chaos that is live sports. It was, uh, it was funny because like, you know, doing these shows now here digitally, we have a lot of people who aren't used to doing um, like live television, working our shows. The, you know, the, the the Fox Sports digital department is basically the backbone of FS1 right now, getting us on the air. And I was talking to one of our digital producers who just, he's just like, man, I, you know, these shows are hard. And they put him like, yeah, I'm like, like, but these are like on the, on the low level of like real problems. Like I've had a truck, I've had an entire truck go down for a whole game and have to like, send in the visit feed, but I couldn't see it. So my announcers had to do it. I've had switchers go down. Like there's just a lot of things that are out of your control that you just have to adapt around. Um, and I think like a lot of people in this new environment are learning, like you're seeing like TV adapt during this quarantine. Like a lot of shows have gotten back on the air doing zoom calls and just figuring things out. And I think that's what, I think that's what the most exciting part of like, at least having to be put into a corner creatively. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it, it kind of brought me back a little bit more back to the live truck environment where we just got to, you know, sometimes things go wrong and you just got to figure things out. Yeah, no, it's uh, I think my favorite figure it out moment is I was in a truck, old truck, straight body back in the day doing hockey and uh, they count us down and I hear the director go three, two, one, roll red, reds up and everybody out of the truck, it's on fire. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the electrical bay had caught on fire, but they wanted to get on the air. So I was like, whatever. So that's just, that's sports for you. Did you smell the smoke at least? Uh, we did as soon as we were starting to leave. Like you don't think about it in the moment, but the, in that particular truck, it was up by the front of the bus and not back by us in tape. So yeah, so you started to smell it, but it was like, oh, thanks for the warning. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a pregame show from the Wisconsin Dells doing Brewers Live. Um, and I remember sitting and that's a tiny Puma truck, right? So we're talking like the truck where they runs like a generator and you can feel it in your feet when you leave. Cause your feet have been shaking the whole time. And you don't realize it. But I remember sitting there and, uh, there was like a slight smell of something and I'm like, huh? And then our tech manager, I can remember him opening the door and looking at my EP and going, we have a problem. And he walks out and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then two seconds later, truck just goes yeah, down yeah, and we no were just problem. down like the entire back 
of the truck is smoking and there's like a bunch of wires and I'm like, well, I think that's it for, for, for Brewers life in the Wisconsin Dells for at least that one day. Uh, and good night. Now we send you to Miller park. <laughs> I just want some on some water slides. So yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another great moment in Arizona, you have your Emmy over your shoulder. Tell me oh, about yeah. the experience. This old thing? Yeah. That old thing. Yeah. Tell me about that experience in the day and then uh, presenting it to Tori. The backstory is like, uh, you know, with baseball, your access is almost always as good as your manager. So your manager decides basically everything. You know, if you have a cooler manager who's more cool with access, you get more access. If you have guys a little more restrained, then you don't. Uh, Tori comes to us in 2017. And my big pitch was like, let's mic up players for batting practice. So we mic up a player. It works out great. We mic up Tori. It works out great. And I think it was the next day I went down to Tori's office and I go, Hey, you know, I just want to say thank you for wearing the microphone for us. It was really great TV. And he goes, Oh yeah. He's like, I'll wear it. He's like, let me know next time. I'll wear it in a game. I'm like, seriously. He's like, I don't yeah, care. He's like, I'll wear it in a game. You don't normally wear so it in a game. I'm like, okay, great. You're not... So I went to the diamondbacks and uh, their PR staff and baseball ops are terrific. And they're like, Hey, let's do it. Let's put it in a, let's mic him up in a game. So we go over all the parameters, you know, now you got to start having PR in the truck and you got to have an extra tape operator and you're doing a lot of weird stuff to make sure you don't give away too many trade secrets. So that night we, uh, we have a perfect storm. First of all, everything Tori talked about on the microphone strategy wise, like came true and actually worked well. Cause the both thing is like, you can't have him talking strategy and then it blow up in his face. Cause you're not going to blow up the manager on TV, but everything he talked about, like came to fruition in a good way. That's one thing. Uh, the next thing is Tori's a great talker. So you get lots of random moments. Um, I know this, I think it was like the third time he mic'd him up was when, Oh, second time he mic'd him was when Paul Goldschmidt was trying to find the microphone yes. and he's like joking around with Tori in the dugout. Like Tori just a terrific person and it comes through with manager. And then the third thing is look, Diamondbacks tied in the ninth and there was a walk-off win in extra innings. Yeah. I, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better scenario. Everything worked out. So Arizona has a very weird Emmy cycle. The Emmy cycle starts in April and ends the following April. So obviously that, this game's in the summer. I think it was in June. Now we have to wait like a year to put that in for the Emmys. So the next year we are, uh, we get nominated for an Emmy for this, for this show. So Tori is a notorious, like he reads everything that comes to him from PR, whatever. So we're in San Francisco and uh, I'm standing in the hotel lobby and Tori walks up to our group and we're about to walk over to the, uh, well, it's now Oracle park and goes, Hey, which one of you guys got nominated for an Emmy? And I'm like, well, I did. And he goes, awesome. He's like, what for? I'm like, well, it's for the game. We mic'd you up. And he goes, Oh my gosh, can we go? And I'm like, well, no, like we have our game against the Rockies that night. So, I mean, you could get run in like the first inning and then probably make it if you really want to. <laughs> he's like, I would really want to go like, this would be awesome. He's like, that's so sick. And he's like, I'm like, okay, well, I'll make a deal with you. If I win, I'll bring it to your office. So we win. Um, I go downstairs with the Emmy. I got this thing, you know, they come in these giant gold boxes and you know, so I, I open it up and he's like holding it. He's like, this is awesome. He's like, this is so sick. And he goes, when do I get mine? And I go, well, you know, they only give it to like producer directors. 
So sorry, you know, and then that gives me an idea. I'm like, well, why don't we just get one of the commemorative ones? You know, cause you can order a commemorative one for like the offices and stuff like that. Um, and give it to Tori. So we try to work this out. Season ends. Um, Tori's wife is a massive Buffalo Sabres fan. So every time the Sabres play the Coyotes, they go to the game. Well, that's happening in like, I think it was like early to mid-October. So we're rushing trying to get this Emmy in. The Emmy shows up the night before and is now sitting on my desk at Fox Sports Arizona. So I drive to the, to the office, grab the Emmy, and I drive to Gila River Arena. And uh, so, that, so to, the only person that knows we're giving Tori this Emmy in his group is his wife. His wife knows. So Tori shows up. And I walk up to escort them. And he's like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, you know, like during the off season, I kind of help out with coyotes and, you know, you're here tonight. So they figured I should just come here and kind of be the guy to bring you up and stuff like that. He introduces me to his wife and he goes, hey, this is the guy who won the Emmy and said I couldn't get one. (laughs) And we're both kind of laughing and, you know, we're having a conversation about that night and like walking up and stuff like that. And um, we get there and we get to our pregame set. And I'm standing next to his wife. And then I want to kind of stand and see the whole thing. So I go behind the cameras. So I'm standing right behind the cameras. And uh, Todd Walsh, our host, does a great job of like setting it all up. And then at the end, he, he reaches and he gives him the Emmy. And Tori, I remember Tori grabs it and then looks, Tori looks where I was standing with his wife, doesn't see me, then finds me behind the camera and then just goes, Brad, like that. And then uh, and afterwards, a big hug and um could not have been a cooler dude like tori was terrific to work with easily my favorite manager i've had in my time in any time producing baseball and uh, i i will never forget when he found out i was leaving we were on my last road trip around a plane and i was saying goodbye to our traveling secretary and he goes he goes brad where are you going i'm like well i got this job with fox sports i'm going you know the national with wwe and he goes he goes, man, he's like, you're moving to the greatest city in the world. Because Tori is like a straight up L.A. Oh, guy. Yeah. And I was so excited I was moving to L.A. And he was like trying to tell me all these places to live. And he's like where to look and all that stuff. And just could not have been cooler. So um, that's how that kind of came to fruition because he's just such a chill, laid back guy. And he understands the business because he kind of grew up in it in L.A. Yeah, no, he's I would agree with you that he's definitely the easiest manager to work with. And um he's a hoot he's so much fun he's fun in the plane he's really accessible he's open to great ideas to doing different things i mean to mic a manager during a game is a rare thing to do unless you're a you know mlb network or something like that like it just doesn't happen so it was it was a lot of fun i remember editing a lot of that sound together and he would say something like he's gonna do this and then three innings later it would happen you're like oh that was oh it worked it worked you know you know yeah it was really cool it's crazy i mean it's like that's where baseball i'm Thankfully, I mean, we didn't get to see it right away this season because they obviously can't start yet, but I think they're getting closer to this more access thing because that's what other sports have that they don't, you know, like basketball during the playoffs, you know, LeBron James wears a mic, you know, and you have that, you know, you don't, you just don't have that in baseball yet. And you're starting to finally see it come in. And I think that's going to be like the next level of like baseball production and guys like Tori, like leading the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're seeing that with uh, MLB doing that in spring training where they mic up a bunch of players and just do a sound only kind of show. So it's definitely coming. I mean, it's yeah. it's what the people at home love to see. I like I like it when they have the players like they're, you know, they can have IFBs and they're like talking shit to each other, you know, like Chris Bryant and uh, 
it was Chris Bryant and Rizzo, and they're making fun of the fact that Bryant wasn't wearing the right hat because he doesn't like the spring training hat, so he started trashing the Cubs spring training hat. Like, that kind of stuff's, like, just terrific television. I don't know if that's going to happen, like, the regular season. Yeah. But, I mean, but why, why not? <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's it's, just good it's fun. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, 100%. So, speaking of leaving Arizona, you mm-hmm. are now in L.A., Tell me the story of how you came to be the coordinating producer for WWE. It seems like an int- a, a strange jump, I'll say, going from stick and ball, baseball, basketball to wrestling. Yeah, so uh, I'd, I've had a weird career just in general. I've done a lot of two, uh, usually, you know, I've, I've noticed, at least in careers, usually it's only one way or the other. You either go studio production or you go live events and you kind of just follow a path. Um, I had started my career in studios um, and in Detroit, I did a little ESPN. Um, in Minnesota, it was my first time to get in a truck where I started doing truck shows and started getting towards the live events. So then I went right back to a studio in San Francisco. So but then I went and then I went to live events and became a game producer. Um, but one thing I've always loved is professional wrestling. So I love WWE. I've grown up on it. Uh, I talked a lot about it um, in the crew. I, I, you know, our graphics operator in Arizona, Paul, would watch it. We like, I remember we. Uh, we'd watch it in the truck on the network sometimes. Um, when I had like, uh, one of the day pay-per-views, like the greatest Royal rumble, I remember we watched it all in New York. So we'd have these discussions and we talk about wrestling. So as luck would have it, uh, Chase Field in Arizona was going to host the Royal rumble. And during this time, it was a very, it's a very like interesting, like four day stretch. So on the Friday that weekend, uh, my son who had been in the hospital for a month got out. So things are great. He's doing terrific, by the way. It, you might hear him stomping at some points. He runs around the house like a maniac. Um, but that is Friday. Saturday night, I win my Emmy. Sunday, I'm off. And then Monday, I am sitting in my in the truck writing questions to interview Daniel Bryan, who's a professional wrestler. And over my shoulder is my graphics guy, or at least our graphics, essentially a graphics producer, uh, Josh. And he goes, hey, you know, you love wrestling so much and Fox is getting SmackDown. Uh, do you want to, do you want to talk to the guy who's like running it at Fox? I know, I know him. His name is Jacob. And I would go, I go, sure. You know, why not? You know, I'll send an email. You're probably going to end up being nothing. Cause you know, WWE does their own uh, programming. Like UFC does, you know, like these companies, you know, like NBC and Fox air it, but they, but WWE produces it. So I didn't think there's going to be much, other than like, you know, basically Fox carrying WWE. But I'm like, the email's worth it, whatever. So I send the email. Uh, Jacob responds immediately and says, hey, let's have a phone call. So we have a phone call a couple weeks later. Uh, it's a very, you know, very quick, you know, getting to know you type call. Fast forward to December. I get an email saying, hey, uh, Jacob and another guy named Ben want to talk to you about WWE. And I'm like, shoot. Okay, well, maybe this is something now. So I remember I was sitting on Christmas vacation in a hotel lobby in Walnut Creek, which is where my wife's family lives. And I, uh, and we had this conversation and I told my wife, I'm like, okay, this is, this is real. This is going to be real now. This is, could be something legit. So the rumbles, as I said, in Phoenix, and that's in January. And, uh, they fly out in January to see me i had lunch with them uh on that saturday of nxt takeover if anybody's a wrestling fan they know that takeovers are a really big deal i went to my first takeover that night and 
the story now, which I love. Um, so they met with me for lunch and then they met with Renee Young, who is the, who's now the host of WWE backstage. And Jacob tells me and pointed out to Renee, Jacob and Jacob told Renee, we found your producer today. So I must've done a good job in that interview. Um, but I still had to go like, what through one more step. Um, and this is another point in my career that I'll never forget. I get a, I get a call and say, Hey, they want you to, uh, we want to fly out to LA, talk to some people. I'm like, okay, great. Whatever that means. So I'm like, well, I'm coming out for the baseball seminar anyways. I might as well go to the seminar. Great. I get a, I still get an email. It's like, Oh, here's your first meeting. Eric Shanks. Who's uh, the highest of the high in Fox sports. Who's in charge so of Fox sports. With, yeah. Yeah, I met with Eric Shanks, who's basically the CEO. I met with Mark Silverman, who's the president of Fox Sports, and then Brad Zager, who's the executive producer of Fox Sports. Um, and I almost missed that because I'm getting ready for this uh, for my flight, and you know I'm wearing a I'm wearing a suit, which I never wear suits. Like I specifically got into sports TV because I hate suits, but I'm wearing a suit, and I'm, and uh, I remember I look at my phone, and my flight's delayed by three hours. So I'm like, I'm going to miss my Shanks meeting. Like I'm going to miss a meeting with Eric Shanks. Like this is a big deal. And I look and it's like, it's like, I remember the time was like 7:45, and I live in Scottsdale. So that's a good 30 minutes to the airport. And then, and the first flight that leaves is 8:40. So I'm like, I looked at my wife. I'm like, I'm going to make this flight. I grab my bag. I forget my backpack that has all my stuff in it. Like my laptop and <laughs> phone chargers. I forget all that. I drive like a maniac to the airport. I get there at 8:15 is where I parked my car, walked straight to the gate because I had a ticket, thankfully, from like the earlier, from the later flight, walked straight to the gate, uh, got on the plane and made all my meetings. Um, but, and then uh, it took a little while because of the, the mergers of the companies, whether Fox and sold Disney and all that stuff. But then I eventually got the offer for the job and uh, moved out to LA last June. So I've been here for, God, almost a year, which is crazy. And then we spent, basically spent the summer, um, getting WWE backstage, what is now WWE backstage off the ground. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been involved in an actual like show launch. I mean, we went, I mean, when I got there, we had a host, we had Renee Young, who by the way is just absolutely terrific. And um, we did auditions. I helped, you know, we did set design. We came up with the names, all the graphics, all the colors, all that stuff from scratch. And it's like when, you know, been one of the more cooler things I've done in the business. And then, you know, as a WWE fan, like I got to go, you know, sitting backstage at Raw and I was talking to like Shane McMahon and uh, I went to SummerSlam and we shot all this stuff with wrestlers. If, you, if, you, if anybody watches the show, like we shot um, these therapy sessions and we had like a legit two room shoot where we had one room that looked like a, a rock stage where we shot a bunch of portrait shots and the other room was looked like a therapist's office. And we shot with like all these superstars and they could not have been cooler. And man, that, but it's been a crazy, like, it was a crazy journey because it took like, you know, eight or nine steps. And in many spots, I didn't think it was going to happen. But now um, I'm just loving it. Like, I've been, I, I haven't been back in studio production in a while. Um, I think our, you know, working on a national show has been terrific. I didn't do that much when I was in the regional sports part. I did a couple FS1 shows here and there. Um but it's been fun. And then just developing something from the ground and making it brand new has been a rewarding part of my career that I never even knew I'd ever have the chance to do. Cause you know, taking over a baseball package, it's still 
it's still baseball, you know, you're doing different things. Like I, I like to think that I did a bunch of different things when I was in all my stops. Um, but this is truly different. Like this was built by us and is brand new and, um, could not, I wish I, and I wish I could actually work in the studio again with these people for a little while because we actually have lots of fun together. Um, but could not be with a cooler group of people. And, uh, I'm happy, happy that things worked out this way. Well, congratulations on all your success. Now I'll chill it's, a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, God. drink another cup out of your Fox WWE mm. mug. <laughs> I drink <laughs> a lot of coffee. Yeah, right? Uh, you know, that's the one thing people should know. I drink a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee. Um, so, yeah, this is like the end of pot of the pot today already, and it's 1.30. Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I totally understand. <laughs> I'm drinking a lot of tea these days, sitting around trying to keep mm. myself active. I mean, it's. I think I'm with you. I miss the people probably the most, but I also miss just – get more active walking around walking around the truck standing being made fun of operating at a standing table those kind of things you get made I mean, fun of no ever? you never you wow. never made fun of us no. in arizona never at all i just saw i just saw in my in my time hop i have like videos right and i saw the video of like one of our evs operators matt like doing this like rise up of his of his desk <laughs> yes and I, remember say, yeah. used to, I remember we had like a like a like a buzzer whenever the desk rose yeah yeah, we had a sound. We we did our own foley work. We uh, had a little, and I <laughs> used our phones to make the sound. So yeah, it's the camaraderie of like the. That's I mean, if there's anything about a live event I miss, it's the it's the camaraderie of like the truck. Like you get yeah. that in studio, in that you still have a whole group of people, um, but you're in a truck. You're doing it in baseball. You're doing it day 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 day. You know, you know, day after day. And that's that part I do miss about live events is like just the just the fun of like three hours plus of like sitting there in the truck, like, you know, sometimes doing serious, serious work and then other times goofing off because it's a baseball game and you got to keep people up and like lively. Like I guess that was my, my calling card I would say um, would be at least I tried to make everybody happy to come to work because you know, if everybody's happy to come to work, we're going to probably do our best work. If you're, kind of pissed off coming to work, then it doesn't really work the same way. I think it's, I just want to keep everybody happy coming to work. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, when you're hundreds of innings into a season, like you got to do something to keep everyone engaged. I mean, sometimes the games are awesome and sometimes they're not. And it's when they're not, you just got to do something to still have fun. I mean, we, that's why we do freelance television is because it's fun. Yeah. More of them are, more of them are not fun than fun to be honest. Like the, like yeah. The, I mean, you need the fun the ones fun in between. Ones yes. They're fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, but that's like, you know, it's the four hour and 45 minute game in Colorado. That's like 12, 11 that like, you don't, you remember only because it was long. You don't remember because the broadcast was something amazing. You just remember because you were there stuck there forever. Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we had that last year where we went until like two in the morning and I had to be back at seven in the morning for a day game. Those days happen. Hey, broke my, you guys broke my chase field record. We was, did. Yeah. Very, very happy to lose that one. Yeah, we weren't. That's okay. <laughs> So speaking of fun moments, what is your favorite television moment that you've done across your career? I've, uh, I've had, a, I've been lucky enough and I feel old. God, I feel old now. I turned 40 this summer. So I'm starting to like have that recollection time where I'm like, Oh man, I, I'm actually starting to get old. Um, I've been lucky to have a ton of them. Um, I've done a lot of weird events. I've done like, you know, horse racing at ESPN and literally world series. And, um, and I got to cover my favorite team winning a championship in 2004, the Pistons. And that's what brings me to, I guess, my favorite thing. Um, I grew up a huge NBA fan. I think we all, when we become sports fans, become big fans of like the teams that are good when we're kids. So when I was growing up, you know, nine years old, eight, nine years old, the bad boy Pistons are awesome. 
Uh, my first moment when I cried at a sporting event was when Larry Bird stole that ball, and I still get pissed off watching that all the time. It just makes me so mad. Um, just inbound that ball. I know it's not going to get inbounded correctly every time, but I keep thinking, like, maybe this time it's going to go in. So I grew up a huge basketball fan. So in 2015, I was doing uh, the Brewers and the Bucks, and I got the opportunity to do playoff basketball because regional networks get to do the first round of NBA playoffs. It is game four and the bucks are down three nothing in the series so i think everybody was thinking it was going to be the end for the the bucks against the bulls um it is a tie game and the bucks are inbounding it i'll never forget the bucks inbound it from the near sideline they advanced it on a timeout and we're doing for the near sideline and they uh basically jared dudley throws it to to bayless bayless grabs it and goes underneath the basket and just lay up to win so a buzzer beater in a playoff game, in an elimination game for them, um, like confetti comes down. And uh, I mean, the, the, the sadder part of this story is that like the TV moment wasn't the best because my analyst, who I love, um, God, I just love him, wanted to draw on the play. Like he wanted to telestrate the final play. Oh, no. Now, that's not the time to do it. As anybody knows in TV, like we have a post game show that is perfect. Go do that. At this point, we're capturing emotion and we are just trying, we're showing some replays, but like we're just trying to show emotion. Now, I'm not even hearing this. It's so loud in the truck because I'm trying, to, I'm talking to Sophia, our silent reporter, trying to get an interview before TNT because we're doing a simulcast. And she, she's like butting her way in and I'm watching on my ISOs and watching it. And uh, apparently during this, uh, my analyst actually yells at the truck on the air. Never heard it. I had to watch it later. And he's like, what? It's like, oh, like freeze it right there. He's like, oh, oh is anybody listening to me? Oh, Said that no, on no. the air. Um, but, but honestly, like in the end, the moment was terrific. The interview was awesome. When it was over, I walked uh, out onto the court and I grabbed a handful of the confetti, which I still have somewhere. I think it's in my garage in my like work box, but I, I still have the confetti from that moment. And I was like a kid who grew up like, you know, jumping on his couch when like Vinny Johnson hit the uh, finals game winner, the 007 shot in 1990, like that kind of stuff to be able to do that was so cool to me. And uh, I'm happy that I got that out of the way before I like shifted away from live events, getting that and then getting the 2017 um, playoff clincher for the D backs and like going into the, and doing that game, you know, getting those out of the way before I left, for now, I mean, you never know how the future goes, but from before I left live event production was great because like those are the moments I grew up loving when I was a kid and being able to put those on the air were, was easily the top of my career for now. Although doing backstage is great. I was going to say, you got a lot more career to go. Great. You're only 40 oh. years old. I mean, I'm yeah, you got plenty of years left to do some cool stuff. Oh God, yeah, I hope so. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so we all hope so. So, well, Brad, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate having you on today. Uh, congratulations again on all your success, and uh, don't forget to watch. When is your show on? It's on Tuesdays, correct? Tuesdays, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern on FS1. We do WWE backstage every week. Uh, big show coming up this week. We'll uh, announce who our guests are soon, but keep it keep it keep it tuned in with a preferably with a nielsen box would be awesome if you guys have that <laughs> do, those even, yeah, do we even have those anymore i mean at this point we should be just tracking zoom calls and uh, streams right you'd think at this point yes yeah but so no, we'll, we'll get there it, but so all right brad well, <laughs> Thanks, man. you have a good one talk you to too. you later to watch previous episodes or for more information on today's show visit behind the camera podcast.com and we'll see you next time